The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Arno Sports Leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Congratulations. We have made it once again to Friday. The weekend is almost here. And whether you are off for Christmas already or wrapping up your work at the office today, we appreciate you being with us here on ESPN 106.7. This is the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on a Friday afternoon. Normally joined by Uncle T-Bone on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, but he's been out all week. He will be back with us uh, at the start of the new year. We've got Jumpin' Jack Hutton with us in the studio all show long. Hey, buddy, how are you? What's up, man? I guess I could be known by Uncle Ribeye now. Uh, yeah, you go like Ribeye or uh, take a step up. Go like a New York strip. Just you know? T-Bone Jr. No, I'll, I'll stick with that. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to give yourself filet, right? You're not, you're not that prime cut yet? I don't know. Am I supposed to give myself the name? No. No, that's not how that works. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, well, well that's why well, we've given you Jumpin' Jack Hutton. I re- that's what I, we all reference you as and it's fantastic so <laughs> that's what uh, ben came up with first yeah. and yeah ben you never get to pick those that. so that's right well you are joining us in the studio we appreciate you of course great friend of mine great friend of the program we got a lot to discuss today man Boy, we, got, we sure do we got so much to talk about today um with all the information and just all the storylines but more importantly this is our last show of the year This is it. We're done after today. Uh, No shows next week for us and The Drive, um, and then no shows on New Year's Day. We will be back on January 2nd, that Tuesday. So we got to cover everything that's going to happen between now and then. we still got to react to what's been happening the last couple of days. And... Last couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, literally. Last <laughs> couple of minutes in, in, with Auburn uh, Auburn football continuing to put in work and recruiting, and they're already turning their eyes to 2025. Isn't that wild? I mean, it, it really is wild, and we'll talk about it coming up later on in the show. Phone lines are open on this free-for-all Friday. That's right. We talk about anything and everything on Friday afternoons around here, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. 334 334- 321-1390. That number again is 334-321-1390. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about on a Friday afternoon? We would love to hear from you on the phone lines. And Jack, I want to start the show. We're going to get to Auburn recruiting. We're going to get to Auburn basketball. We've got a lot to discuss on those sides of things. But I want to talk generic college football for a little bit because we've got Big news in conference realignment. We have big news in uh, bowl games that have already been played. Some big ones coming up. Of course, we've got to talk about the college football playoff because that'll happen while we're gone uh, on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, right? They're playing New Year's Day on the 1st. And so we've got to talk about all of that here today. Where do you want to start, man? I'll I'll leave it up to you and kind of let you start talking about it and bring up a topic. What do you you want to start with today? Well, I think the biggest story in college football right now 
is this Florida State uh, timeline that's that's yeah. gone on since probably about February of this year. Um, if you're not aware, if you've been under a rock the last few months, so Florida State uh, and I think it's Clemson and a couple other teams have been. It seems like they've tried to been getting out of the ACC. Um, and Florida State is now, I mean, really pushing that. They called an emergency meeting with their board of trustees last night, and uh, since then they have chosen to sue the ACC over the grant of rights that they signed back in, I believe, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're it, essentially what they're doing is they're trying to get out of this exit fee. So and it's a $130 million exit fee that they would have to pay. To leave just the to go, ACC. Yep, yeah. just to go somewhere else. Yep. Um, so Florida State has... I think they've hired a legal team to go ahead and sue the ACC over that, basically challenging the legality of that document. And so is it legal for us to be able to say, you want to leave, give us $130 million? To me, and I'm not sure where the where the law would stand on this. I don't really know what the precedence is. I mean, obviously, I'm not a lawyer, but they I would they think— They didn't cover that in engineering school? No, of course, unfortunately not, no. <laughs> um, but I would think, I mean, if you— if you're part of a document that, I mean, you sign a document and it's, you know, and it's signed by a whole lot of other schools in the same way, I, I have a hard time seeing how they would get out of this one. You know, you wonder if it's more of a PR stunt to to try and drum up some public support for it. I don't know about that. Yeah, but. that's the thing is like, look, I don't know the specifics of the contract, obviously, and all of that, but it just seems like on a on a grand scheme of things, on a wide view, if you sign a contract a couple of years ago that at the time probably benefited you most part, right? And then a couple of years later, when there's something in there that doesn't benefit you anymore, now you're trying to challenge the legality of it. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work. It very well might. I don't know. But for any contract, not just in this situation, like if you sign a contract and then a couple of years later, you're trying to get out of it because it no longer benefits you. Mm-hmm. That's a tough argument to make. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that that contract goes through, I think, the year 2036. So you locked yourself in there when you signed that thing. And I think what's more interesting about this is if you look at the timeline of, of this happening, of course, you got to go back to what happened to Florida State this past season. You go 13-0, and you yep. win your conference championship, and you get left out of the college football playoff. Now, I know a lot of big people will say that well they you know they didn't have their best player and that's clearly stated in those college football rules and I think that that's a good argument obviously if you don't have those you know supreme players that you can run out there you're not as good of a football team mm-hmm. I think you and I've talked about that before and and that's not really the main point but I would go back to I think you're I think you're telling 120 119 other guys that they weren't good enough to get there. And so you go you go undefeated in this what's supposed to be a Power Five conference, and you start to wonder why did we get left out? Well, maybe the conference that we're in is not conducive of us to us having success in a national level. I think that's where all this started. Yeah, I think it's I Florida too. State trying to get out, go to the the SEC, maybe the Big Ten, somewhere where they can have a little bit more credibility. Well, you remember too, like you, you talked about this starting at the beginning of the year, and it went through the summer and even into the fall before Florida State went undefeated and had a chance to make it to the Final Four. Like Florida State had already 
shown their displeasurement, if that's, I guess, the best word to use. They're up, they were upset with the ACC. They were not happy in the relationship with the ACC, with that conference. And so they had already started talking about it, right? We had talked about it in the summer when all this realignment stuff started happening and, and schools started bolting left and right from different conferences. Everybody was looking at the ACC and thinking, okay, where are the big-name schools like Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina, Miami? Like, where are those schools going to go? And Florida State was in that mix. And so for to go back and use the, the oldest, um, you know, the oldest phrase of time, the straw that broke the camel's back here was not making the college football playoff. And Florida State believes it's because they wear the ACC logo on their, on their jersey. And I don't think they're fully wrong in that, Jack. I don't. Um, I do wonder what it would have been like if, let's say, uh, for whatever reason, it was it was Florida State and Alabama kind of duking it out for that fourth spot in the end. You know, mm-hmm. would it be different if Florida State had kept their best player on the field, if he hadn't gotten injured, and Alabama still does what they do, they win the SEC and everything like that? I, I kind of think Florida State gets in in that scenario. Yeah, I think they would have gotten in. But I think even if Florida State had made the college football playoff, they had already started these conversations, yeah, right, yeah. to leave. They were going to leave regardless. I think this just accelerated the process. It's, it's very much, I guess you want to call it firewood. I mean, it's yeah. throwing more wood on the fire. That's right. It's doing. That's right. Um, Florida State and Clemson kind of were the ones that started this. You know, I would expect them in the, in the coming years to, if this does go the way that, that I think it will, I think at some point – the ACC is going to kind of back away from this and say, okay, obviously Florida State doesn't want to be here. We're getting bad press from this. Right. Let's let them go for something. And I don't know if it'll be this $130 million withdrawal fee. But then at that point, I would have to think that Florida State and Clemson really start to look at trying to to nudge their way into the SEC. That or the Big Ten, one of the two. And yeah. uh, for more, if you want some more information on this, there's a really, really good article on ESPN right now at ESPN.com um, from a couple of people, Andrea Adelson and David Hale. Um, it came out today, came out this morning at 1030, and some really, really good information. I'm going to give you some of it um, from them. In the lawsuit that Florida State proposed today to the ACC, they estimate – it would cost Florida State $572 million for, them, for the school to leave the ACC without any sort of settlement, all right? And we keep talking about this grant of right, right? Well, what is that for people that may not know what it is? Because if you don't, then it's kind of confusing. Here's a, a simple breakdown of it, all right? This is from the article itself. It says, the grant of rights is a legal document signed by each current member of the ACC that transfers ownership of media rights from the school to the conference, right? And what this means is that the ACC, not Florida State or any other member school, owns the rights to the broadcast of games. So the ACC owns all of the rights to negotiate games and game times and television and the money. They handle all of that, and the schools get money from that, and that's what Florida State's trying to get out of right now. And I think the $572 million number, let's, if you're looking at it from a business perspective, right, yes, it may cost them, and I guess you want to say opportunity cost, of 572 million. I mean, that may be what you're losing in some of that media money. You got to think that if you go to another conference, like one of these bigger ones, the SEC, the Big Ten, maybe even the Big 12, if they want to look at that one. Um, I think if you go to one of those conferences, it's a business decision that you're making to be able to say, okay, we'll make this back 
plus we're about to go start being able to win more to at least have some more credibility, I guess, Mm -hmm. if we were to go through something like this again. They've wanted out of the ACC for a long time. I think they'll get their way. Um, And honestly, I think even though it would cost them a great deal to get out, I think you're looking long-term at it and thinking this is a better business decision in the long term. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and look, again – This is all about the money, right? It's about the money that the ACC wants. It's about the money that Florida State doesn't want to pay and then eventually wants to make somewhere else, right? I mean, that's that's what all of this is about. That's why they want to leave the ACC. They want to go to a bigger conference where they play better games, have better TV deals, and ultimately make more money. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's something that, you know, kind of comes back up from earlier this season. I can't remember who exactly wrote it, but I think there was an article maybe in The Athletic that talked about the difference between what the SEC schools were bringing in per broadcast and what the ACC was bringing in, and it was double. Yeah, it was sixty million, I think, per per team. Oh per yeah, broadcast per team. I remember that like article. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty for the ACC. So it's a huge gap. You got the SEC network, of course. You got SEC on primetime that ESPN does. They've started to do the ACC on ESPN, but I mean, really, the SEC has a whole lot more pull with ESPN and with other media rights. Well, right. Well, think about starting this next football season. The SEC is exclusively on ESPN. Yeah. Everything is ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, whatever, ESPN+, Plus, whatever, right? Exclusively on ESPN. And so that's where all that money is. And look, you're you're talking about 15 years of of a span here. I mean, the deal they're trying to get out of right now is still 12 years remaining. And as these schools, they look... How much money are we going to make over the next 10 to 15 years of these current deals? They're not looking at just next year's football season. They're looking at literally 10, 15, 20 years in a row here on how they're going to make the most money. Yeah, you're not talking hundreds of millions. You're talking billions with a B. Billions with a B. You're talking multiple, maybe even hundreds of billions if you're getting into it. this This is kind of crazy money. And it's over a long term, of course, but... It's obviously crazy money that these schools are starting to dabble in, and they have been dabbling in for a long time. Yeah, well, that's the one of the biggest news stories of the day. Something that has flown under the radar as well um, in college football news that broke just a little bit ago. Oregon State and Washington State have announced that they are joining the West Coast Conference in 12 sports across the board starting with basketball in 2024 and 2025. We know the demise of the Pac-12. We know everybody that is something there has bolted. Um, You've got teams going to uh, the Big Ten. You've got teams like Colorado going to the Big 12. You have Stanford and uh, um, uh, who's the other one going to the ACC? uh, Cal. Cal, That's right. Yeah, Stanford and Cal. Because that makes regional sense. Right, because, yeah, why not fly across the country? But (laughs) now you've got Oregon State and Washington State going to the West Coast Conference. But we were talking before the show – I mean, what's going to happen to this conference in the Pac-12, man? Man, I don't know. And that's the weirdest thing because you haven't really gotten a a final call on what the Pac-12 is going to do. Especially for football. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, are they going to disband entirely or are they going to try to start getting new teams? you got to think that – and we can talk about this. I know we got to get to a break, but maybe the next segment we talk a little bit about who would the Pac-12 bring in? Yeah. I mean, you got teams out there that you can look at, but I'm just not sure that they're going to be – you, you certainly can't be a Power Five conference anymore. No, and you would hope that a conference like the Pac-12 that's been around for so long that for a long time had a good name brand and had a good representation and a good reputation, um, I think over the last five to ten years that's gone downhill pretty good, but you, the Conference of Champions, yeah, okay. But <laughs> you would think that, again, to go back to money, 
you would think that they're going to do everything they can to just try to rebuild and stay alive yeah. rather and know that they're going to be less lesser than what they were rather than just folding and crumbling in, in the Pac-12 just falling into the abyss. How about the West Coast Conference getting those names, though? That's huge. I mean, now you, it's not just Gonzaga coming out of there. Yeah. You know, you're going to get Gonzaga, maybe a Wazoo State and Oregon State. I think you have St. Saint, Saint Mary's in that same conference. Mm-hmm. They had BYU up until, I guess, this past year where – uh, BYU joins the Big 12. So San Francisco's in the West Coast Conference too, right? They that's the, sure uh, that's are. the other team that normally gives Gonzaga a little bit of trouble in basketball. Yes, yeah, a little bit of an Auburn connection there with that San Francisco program. You remember uh you remember who coached there at one point, I guess? At San Francisco? Uh-huh. It was Todd Golden. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Todd Golden. Yes, I forgot about that. A bit that. of an Auburn connection. How about the there? pipeline? That's from, right. From yeah. Auburn, Alabama to San Francisco, baby. How about that? I totally forgot about well, that. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you have to think just overall with this. Pac 12, I think, is, I don't know what would happen in, in football. I don't really have a. I don't really have a crystal ball for that one. I think, I obviously, it's really good for the West Coast Conference. Um, now, and, there, and again, got to mention that. They won't go to the West Coast Conference in football. You know, right. That, they'd have to go down to FCS level to do that. Yeah, so. this is across 12 sports. Uh, the main ones would be basketball. I think baseball is being held out, too, for whatever reason. So who, who knows, man? It's so confusing. There's so many moving parts here. We'll take our first break, come back. We'll continue talking about all of this conference realignment stuff. We'll start getting into some bowl game conversations as well, including the college football playoff before uh, we start talking Auburn football recruiting with news from today as of about 20 minutes ago. We've got Auburn basketball to talk about. So much more here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Give us a call. Be a part of it. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Free for all Friday. Feel good Friday, however you want to say it here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. I'm joined by our good friend Jack Cutton in the studio all show long as we are uh, talking some of the biggest news and storylines in college football. And coming up at 2.30, bottom of the hour, we've got some Auburn news we need to talk about with a flip that happened in the 2025 class just a few minutes ago. I promise we are going to get there in just a few minutes but uh, Jack we've been talking about college football and just kind of the biggest news we talked the Florida State stuff we even talked about Oregon State and Washington State uh, announcing they're joining the West Coast Conference across 12 sports including basketball um, and, and you had brought up the question you know what happens to the Pac-12 right and we'll talk about this quickly because I do want to talk bowl games in, in, in college football playoff but to, to kind of put a bow on that the Pac-12 has got to do something. And like I said before the break, I think I would like to see them go after other teams. And we were kind of brainstorming some and and not just crumble and die and just disappear off the face of the earth, which very well could happen for the Pac-12. But take a step back, realize you're not a Power 5 conference anymore, and just get what teams you can that want to make a jump. But understandably, and knowing that the Pac-12 is just not what it used to be. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I think you got to look uh, at some teams around the region then that, you know, m- maybe it's time to to kind of back away from that presumed Power Five notion. Um, I mean, for a long time, you know, people have wondered about, do you get Boise State in one of these bigger conferences? And I think this would be the right time for the Pac-12. If they want to stay in, you know, contention for 
um, competitive money, competitive bowl games and media rights and things like that. I think you got to start looking at stuff like that. You know, you can go that route. You can go to uh, Colorado. You can try to to get the Buffs back, or you can even go get Colorado State out of there. I mean, that's kind of in that region. Maybe you start getting even more into that Midwest area. Maybe you go after a Wyoming or something. Mm-hmm. And these are not teams, I think, that uh, that obviously people are going to kind of tremble in their boots at, but it's still teams that they're state schools, they're somewhat recognizable names, and they keep you relevant in college athletics for it, at least the time being. I think in football, that's where you got to go because you can get Oregon State, Washington State. You can kind of get them on board with them being – the powers in that conference. Now, what does it say about maybe getting them relevance in college football playoff light? Well, now they kind of become almost what we would know of as a group of five conference. Right. So that's a little bit tough, and you get you would have to do some convincing with them. But I don't think that the Pac-12 is necessarily dead if they don't want to be. They're just they'll have to do some legwork on getting some of these schools out here. Yeah, they will. And uh, we'll put a pin in that conversation. That's a lot of uh, off-season talk as well. And, and, and as stuff develops, we can continue to talk about that. we got a few minutes left in this segment before we start talking about the uh, latest Auburn football recruiting news, still reacting from early signing day. We've got already 2025 news, and uh, we are going to talk about that in a minute. But bowl games, man, we got bowl season going on right now. And with today being our final show until the start of the new year, uh, we can get into some more of these as we go along through the show. But starting with in looking at some of these New Year's Six Bowls, look, here's what I'll say. People know if you listen to this show, if you listen to me, you know this. Bowl games, I, I hate to use the word worthless, but they're just not, they're not all that great anymore because of everything that's happened, right? Because... You have the playoff. They're a little you, rough. You, ha- you now have the playoff expanded. You have the transfer portal. You have guys going to the pros. I mean, look at some of these games and matchups and the amount of players that are not playing in these games. I mean, it's half of the normal squad. I mean, look at Auburn's bowl game. we got to talk about that today, too, because we won't have a chance to before they play next Saturday. Like, Auburn's playing a Maryland team whose starting quarterback's not even going to be there. We're playing a kid that's seen five snaps all year. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have an Auburn team going to, obviously, Nashville to go play in the Music City Bowl. Uh, That's one, and I think there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, this is a must-win game for Auburn. What do you think? Is it? I mean, mean, is it really? Is it going to matter one way or the other? A win would be better, of course, and I think we've said that for a long time in bowl games, like, Yes, you want to win because it's another game and it's sort of that extra boost into the offseason, right? You know, it's like, all right, we got the bowl game win. We're feeling good, right? There's no sour taste in your mouth for the next six months. But if you – it's one of those things where it's like if you win, it's like, all right, cool. But if you lose, it's like, are you serious? Really? We just lost that bowl game. And Auburn's lost their fair share over the last 10 years. I guess my thing is what does it do for you if you do win a bowl game? I mean, looking at the last few bowl wins by this Auburn team, 2018 you beat Purdue. You come back out in 2019, you got a new quarterback. I mean, you know, you have a really nice season. You win an Iron Bowl. So I guess it kind of propels you in a sense. But you know, I still think Auburn really leaned on their defense that year, mm-hmm. so it wasn't necessarily this this big turnaround for the defense. You know, it was just kind of they kept doing what they were doing, and I think you got a little bit better on the offensive line. Yeah, uh, 2015, you beat Memphis in the Birmingham Bowl, and you come back out in 2016, you go eight and four. I mean, 
it's not like this is this huge turnaround. Only one I can really remember is in 09 when you beat Northwestern, and then the next year you get Outback Bowl. one of the best players ever to play college football who takes you on a run to, to win a national title. But one didn't affect the other. Yeah, I don't, I don't right? think one affected. I mean, I think Cam Newton was committed, I think, the day before Auburn played in that game. So mm-hmm. there, was no, there was no really connection there, I didn't think so. The, thing, the only thing now with bowl games is – the extra practice, right? The extra, the extra work, and now that you can have high school players graduating early and getting on campus and going through bowl practice, which Auburn has yeah, currently big. right now, that speaks more and has more effect and impact on the next season rather than whether you win or lose the bowl game. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think something that a lot of people will uh, kind of forget about here is you've got to go through these stages of learning the college games, and some guys do it a lot. You know, quicker than others, but you got to have first the stage of get the speed, you know, the right. speed of the game so much quicker. Then you start getting into scheme and fits and stuff like that. The guys that are going through bowl practice right now, they're getting the speed down. That's going to allow them to learn the scheme and fits when we get into spring ball. And you process the game a lot quicker, too, when yeah. you get in here early and more reps. I mean, practice makes better, right? And that's exactly what's happening. So we've got a lot more to talk about with Auburn's bowl game against Maryland, some of the other big bowl games, including the college football playoff. But when we come back, we got some recruiting news. We got to talk about the holiday season is here, and some people like to call it Merry Flipmas. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins, joined by Jack Hutton in the studio. Yes, sir. Joining us on this Friday afternoon, our final show of 2023. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Yes. We're in here every day, aren't we? I know. I know, (laughs) man. And and here we are. 2024 is a couple of weeks away. Not even a couple. It's a week and a half away. A week and a half. Wow, that's crazy. Christmas, a few days away. You got your Christmas shopping done? I sure <laughs> <laughs> week and a half plus a bowl game yeah that's right week we're, and a half plus a bowl that. game so which, which takes about two years off your life anyways when you watch Auburn I'm telling you I'm telling you well and that's the thing is Auburn's bowl record I've gotten arguments with people they don't want to believe me when I tell them that Auburn's been an average bowl game team the last yeah. 15 20 years oh yeah yeah like, I agree I mean look at the last one you played in yeah Birmingham bowl you get beat by Houston yeah that's that, it's not something you want to you want to tout on the record books no no, exactly. Well, we'll talk some more about the bowl game and stuff coming up in a little bit. But, uh, Jack, we've got some breaking news that broke a couple of minutes before we came on the air. Yes, it did. And we've pushed it off long enough. we got people calling in, making sure you're going to talk about it. Yes, we are. We appreciate those calls. We do want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Auburn and Hugh Freeze, they have done it again. Yeah. And not for 2024. But for 2025, right, they have gone and done it again. They have flipped another commitment two or three days after early signing day. They're already looking at 2025. Antonio Coleman, the four-star defensive lineman, has flipped from Alabama 
to Auburn. The Sarah Land defensive lineman stands at 6'2", 285. He's a four-star player, top 100 player in the class of 2025. He is the eighth-ranked defensive lineman in the class of 2025. And that commitment, Jack, that commitment now has Auburn with eight commits for 2025. They were already top five, but it now takes them from number five to number three overall in the 2025 recruiting class. And Jeremy Garrett continues his blitz through this defensive line class. This is, I mean, it's it's unstoppable what he's been able to do uh, since he's been here. You know, they turn around, they get Keldrick Falk right out of the gate last year. You also close on Duran Reed. And then you come into this year, and, I mean, you're still building that defensive line class. Of course, you get Jamonte Waller, T.J. Lindsey. Because, yeah. of, because of Keldrick Falk, you then got – You get Ja'Caleb Falk, who is now committed Boom. as a t- the, uh, 25 class, along with Antonio Coleman. A couple of other guys, if you're looking down the list. And, you know, there's a list of full commitments. Let's just go down the defensive line commits. You do have Coleman now, who's your highest-ranked defensive line commit. But then you get Ja'Caleb Falk – Another top 150 player. You get Jordan Crawford out of Parker High School, who's a top 200 player, top 100 player by ESPN. And then you get to Malik Autry, who is a three-star by on three, but he's a composite four-star in every other place. He's a composite four-star with 24-7, four-star with rivals. He's a composite four-star on on three, meaning he's a composite top 250 player. So. Mm-hmm. And then I thought I was done. I'm not done yet. Kalen Edwards, another one, another top 250 player who's in your composite. So one, two, three, four, five guys Jeremy Garrett has landed in the 2025 class. Jacob, we're not to 2024 yet. I know. I know. So five of those eight commits are four stars for 2025. Um, Most of them, I think only one is... Well, I guess technically two are offensive players. Kandarius Reddick is technically an athlete, right? He can play multiple sides and play multiple positions. And then uh, you have a tight end committed as well. Everybody else in an offensive tackle. I did miss I was uh, going to say you got Spencer Dillon down there. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody else a defense, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and it just shows that, you know, this staff is not content on just getting these skill position guys and running them out there and saying, okay, go run faster than everybody else. I think that Auburn fans got a little tired of that with a previous staff that may not be mentioned. But I think at this point, you're starting to see a much greater emphasis being put on those trenches. Antonio Coleman, 6'2", 265. He's going to get bigger. Would assume he plays that kind of that three technique. If he gets real big, put him at the one technique and let him run nose tackle. Absolutely. I don't think he's going to get that. I think that you got a couple of other guys coming in. Kalen Edwards is probably going to be your guy in that class that does that. He's 6'4", 325. So that's probably going to be the guy that does that. But Jeremy Garrett stacking defensive line classes already, and he's been here, what, maybe a year? And here's the thing, man. This class is now for 2025, okay? And look, we've been talking the last three days about what the 2024 class did and how special it is being top five, now seven, uh, pretty much anywhere you look, and a chance to be top five if they were to land Ryan Williams come February. That's for 2024, right? This is for 2025, yeah. right? This is two. This is technically two classes away, and Hugh Freeze has already got eight commits Four or five of them are four stars, and you're up to number three overall in the rankings. Now, there's still a lot of time, right? This is there's a lot of time for 
unfortunately, there's time for you to lose some of these guys, but there's also time for you to solidify these guys and obviously pick up a lot more for the class of 25. We're still a year away from the early signing day for that, but man, what a great start. What a great start and momentum carrying over from 24 into 25. And not only did you get Antonio Coleman to commit to you today from Sarah Land High School at 6'2", 285, he didn't just commit to you, Jack. He flipped. He flipped his commitment from Alabama. Alabama. Another one bites the dust. That's right. And we talked about this the other day on the show, Jacob. We said, when you're going through the last few years and you're looking at who has won the state in recruiting, it's those top 20 guys or your blue chips, five and four stars that generally are made up of those top 20 players in Alabama. Auburn has not won the state, but one time in the last 10 years, Alabama's won it every single year if we're going by that metric. This this does it for you here. This, I mean, this, this guy's from Sarah Land, who you mentioned, that's a big name it's down a huge there right name. now. Ryan Williams, another guy from Sarah Land who you're starting to get, if you get one of his commitments, or sorry, you get one of his teammates committed, you start thinking, okay, where does that make him lean? Sarah Land probably going to have a couple other guys um, that go to major colleges. Maybe some of them go to Alabama even. But I think that you're starting to see this real shift take place in the state, and it all started back with when you got Demarcus Riddick, when you got Perry Thompson, I mean, this this first class really started to turn the momentum around. You look at the eight commits as we're talking about in-state kids, right? You start looking at 2025 of the eight guys committed. Spencer Dolan, the offensive tackle, he's from Athens, Alabama, right? You look at Jordan Crawford, he's from Birmingham. That's always a huge get if Auburn can go that far up and get that because that's a all those big schools are – our direct pipeline feeding grounds for Alabama, it Especially seems. Parker High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you just got Jeremiah Beeman, who committed to Alabama, who signed with Alabama from there. Parker High is a very Alabama-centered school, and so pulling him out of there is is very similar to going down and pulling a Perry Thompson out of Foley High School, which is Bama country. You also have J. Caleb Falk from Highland Home. Uh, we know the Falk family very, very well. You also have the one from today, Antonio Coleman from Sarah Land, and then the hometown kid. Right here in Auburn, Opelika, Malik Autry from Opelika is committed to Auburn as well. So that is huge. I mean, you're you're looking at some of the best players in the state of Alabama that are already committed. And again, it comes down to now building on that class for 2025. You've got a lot of time to do it, but not a lot of time at the same time, right? But then you've got to keep these guys committed, right? And and we talked about that at at nauseum the last couple of days because of what Hugh Freeze did for 2024, what other schools were trying to do to come in and poach the class for 24. You better believe somebody like Alabama, they're not going to quit on Antonio Coleman. He's too good for Nick Saban and this staff to give up on him. So that means Hugh Freeze can't give up on him either. No, absolutely. He's the number four player in the state, number uh, 119 overall player. So absolutely, I mean, he's one of those very solidly blue chip guys that you have to build your program with. I'm kind of looking down the state of Alabama in 2025. Of course, your number one player out of Parker High, that same place where you got Jordan Crawford. Naeem Offord is a guy that Auburn has looked at very closely. I think Naeem Offord has also looked at Auburn very closely. Number four player in the country is a corner. Auburn's kind of the favorite to land him right now. We'll see where it goes. Micah Dubose, another guy, an interior offensive lineman, just decommitted from Georgia today. 
Auburn seems to be a very possible landing spot for him. Antonio Coleman, you just mentioned, Auburn's been all over him. K.J. Lacey, a team member down there at Sarah Land that's teammates with Ryan Williams. Eric Winters from Enterprise. Eric Winters, another one. Ja'Caleb Falk already a commit. Alvin Henderson, who we think is going to commit to the Auburn Tigers. I mean, you go down this list, and you got so many Auburn guys on this list, or at least guys that we think Auburn is going to be heavily, heavily involved with. Right. I mean, if you're, and I'm looking at 247 right now. Again, you can look at whatever site you want to, but I'm looking at 247. And the top 25 players in the class of 2025 in the state of Alabama, here's what guys have already committed or predicted to pick Auburn as of right now, according to 247. You have the number 22 player committed. You have the number 16 player committed. You're predicted to get the number 12 player committed. You have 10, 9, and 8 that are committed. And you're expected to get number 4 committed. That's just what, as of right now, yeah. on December 22nd of 2023, that's what you're expected to do and, already and in I 25. Would, to be honest with you, I'd probably add a few more of those guys oh, absolutely. under expected to get. I think Auburn's the favorite for Naeem Offord, who's the number one player in the state. Um, I think the Auburn's Auburn's obviously the favorite for you. Talked about Eric Winters in there. Um, and so I don't know exactly who you're referencing, but I mean, I think Auburn's the favorite for a lot of these guys to get. Yeah, the 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 guys I was talking about expected to Eric Winters, um, according to 247, Alvin Henderson. But then the guys, mm-hmm. you literally right now, Malik Autry, Antonio Coleman, and Ja'Kayla Falk are 8, 9, and 10. They're all committed to Auburn for 25. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there you go. It's just, it's we're going back to the conversation of winning the state. If you can win the state, and for Auburn in particularly, going to Atlanta. And that's the yeah. other area that you yeah. really got to focus on. And nobody really yet for Alabama for from Atlanta in this class, I don't believe. But that's where you got to go win some battles too. Is in Atlanta, around uh, in Georgia, maybe kind of when you're dipping into Florida when you go down to Lower Alabama. But if Auburn can begin to start winning those battles again and at least get back to fifty fifty. I mean, there's no telling what you can do with this program. We've seen what Auburn can do when they're not recruiting very well, and it's almost beat Alabama and Georgia in the same year. What do they do when they are recruiting really well? Right, exactly. You know, what What does this program do when you – and I think I talked about this yesterday on the show when I was in here by myself. I was talking about the talent gap, right, Jack? How many times did we come in the studio on a Monday afternoon during football season and say, man – you could just see the talent gap on the field, whether you're talking about Texas A&M or Georgia or LSU or Alabama, right? There was a visible talent gap on the field. That's not going to be the case very often in 2024. And if you continue this trend into 2025, you're going to be right up there with the the biggest and the best in college football, and you may become one of the biggest and best in college football. And that argument and that excuse, quote-unquote, won't be a problem anymore for Auburn fans. You know, I don't have any necessarily data or or numbers to back this up when I say this, but if you're looking at the Auburn roster and you kind of start going down the list of guys, you know, Auburn doesn't have, or at least didn't before this last week, didn't have a Mm five-star on their team at at, at all in any position. So you're playing with majority three and four stars. You even have some two-stars that have come over and transferred from other programs. If you look at the Alabamas and Georgias, what do you have – who's not even transferred in, but what have they kind of molded themselves? It's four and five stars. On the so bench, if, too. Yeah, so if you look at Auburn, I mean, average commit ranking for stars, what do you think? 
somewhere like 3.2 or 3, somewhere yeah. in that range. Alabama and Georgia are going to be four and a half stars, maybe a little bit lower than that, but, you know, 4.2 or 3. You're giving up a star at every position. I yeah. mean, that, that's an insane amount of difference there. It's funny because this is <laughs> this is literally conversations you and I have yeah. on the weekends. This is this is bar conversations right here, and it's, and it's true because look at what – I mean, just look at the rankings, right? And I know there's a, a, a lot of people that – when you look at these rankings, oh, he's a composite four-star, composite five-star. He's a five-star here, four-star there, blah, blah, blah. They're just numbers. They've got to come in and play. I get that, but there's a reason they're ranked like that, Jack. Yeah, it matters. It, it matters. definitely matters. There is a difference between a five-star and a four-star. Now, the gap is not as big as, I think, a four-star to a three-star and then kind of going down, but four and five stars matter, Jack, and those five stars are legitimate difference makers on and off the field and Auburn just hasn't been getting those guys and they don't have one for 2025 yet I think they will that's not what we're talking about look at 24 and the five stars they just brought in day one starters for Auburn I mean that's what they've been missing for the last shoot 10 years blue chip guys I mean you, you look at back I think we talked about the stat a while back but if you look at that correlation between who has won the championship in recent years, your Alabamas, your Georgias, your Clemsons, what kind of blue chip ratio have they had on their team? Blue chips, meaning five or four stars compared to guys that weren't ranked five or four stars. It's in the 90s for those programs. I mean, it's in a high 90s sometimes for those programs. For Auburn, you're still scratching the surface of like 50%. Yeah. Now, you're in the top 15 in the country in that, which is still impressive. But you're not scratching the surface of what that roster for Georgia or Alabama or Clemson looks like. Well, that's what separates a team like Cal to a team like Auburn. And then what separates a team like Auburn, a program like Auburn, to what Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State have been for the last handful of years. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the difference right there is even in the down years, Auburn has still had talent, right? They've had talent to beat the lesser teams most of the time, not all the time, but you get what I'm saying here. They are trying to get out of that because Auburn's better than middle ground. Auburn's better than 50%. They want to be in that upper percentile. They want to be, and they can be, up in that 90% blue chip ratio players, four and five stars, and you're seeing it right now. I think a lot of this fan base, Jack, before we throw it to break, I think a lot of this fan base had given up on that thought. I think a lot of them had had started to believe Auburn can't be great. Auburn can't get those guys anymore because it had been so long since they got players like Antonio Coleman in 2025 to flip from Alabama to Auburn. But Hugh Freeze, I think, is starting to change that around here. I think you're right. I think the attitude's changing, and and I don't think that necessarily people ever thought that oh, Auburn just can't at all do it. I mean, I think you had a lot of uh, maybe newer fans that thought that way. You've got people who have been around for a while that knew – Auburn can Auburn can do it, but you got to have the right momentum, the right guy leading the program. And I think Auburn's found that in Hugh Freeze. I think they found that in this. I mean, you look at the NIL collective for Auburn; it's one of the top five in the country. You look at the facilities that are that are upgrading around. I mean, you've got support in this program. It's just about putting it in the right place. Putting it in the right place, getting results with those recruits and with that money and all of that in between. And there's just it, the momentum has shifted, man. It, it's starting to change, and it's still going to take a while. There's still a lot of work to do here, but getting 2025 20, guys to flip from Alabama to Auburn, like Antonio Coleman, the Sarah Land defensive lineman, did today, yeah, 
that's a great way to continue the momentum from 2024 into 2025. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up hour number one, and we'll launch ourselves into hour number two. Give us a call. Come in and be a part of the fun on this Friday afternoon. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. It's a free-for-all Friday here on ESPN 106.7. He is Jack Hutton. Joining me in the studio, I'm Jacob Goins. we got a few more minutes here in hour number one. Phone lines are open. If you call in, we will uh, be able to start the second hour with you and uh, want to hear your thoughts on... Anything, really. I mean, how we, anything. How are we doing today, Jakey Ballgame? We ready for some bowl game action? <laughs> uh, look, here I am ready for, for bowl games, okay? And, and look, you've got the New Year's Six Bowls. They're going to be good. You're starting, I think, this weekend and as the Christmas holiday rolls through, you're starting to get into some of the better bowl games. Um, you know, your New Year's Six Bowls, you've got Missouri and Ohio State, uh, Missouri Team of the Year in the SEC, Eli Drinkwitz, SEC Coach of the Year, rightfully so. Uh, you've got Ole Miss and Penn State. Those are two big programs and Ole Miss feeling themselves, right? You've got Liberty taking on Oregon. And so, uh, and Bo, by the way, do you see that Bo Nix said he's going to play in the bowl game? He's going to finish out his Oregon career and playing in the, uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, so good for him. I did, and I, I love it, and I wish more guys would do it. Now, yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, if, if it was my son who was fixing to go and, you know, make millions and millions of dollars and he could lose millions of dollars by getting hurt, obviously I'd have to think about it. But I love it. I love these guys going out and not quitting on their teammates. Yeah, it, it's a tough it's a tough conversation. It, it really is. So uh, you've got that game. And then the bowl game that really everybody's going to be watching, Jack, on Saturday, December 30th, other than Auburn, Maryland, of course. Of course. <laughs> Georgia and Florida State. Yeah. That's the one in the Orange Bowl that everybody's going to be watching. And let me go ahead and tell you, Florida State is going to give Georgia everything they want in this game. Are they going to win? Probably not. But there's going to be a lot of players that don't play. There's actually a handful of Georgia players that are playing. Like, there's a good amount of them. Mm-hmm. I don't care if Florida State wins. I don't care if Georgia wins. Whatever the narratives that come out of this thing, don't listen to them. I got a big pick otherwise. Okay. I got Missouri rolling against Ohio State. Not just winning, rolling. Rolling. I love it. Two to three scores. I love it. Yep. I hope so. I hope so. If you you know me, I'm not the biggest Ohio State fan. I may be from up there, but not a big Ohio State fan. Love it. Love it, man. (laughs) Hour number one in the books coming up in hour number two. We've got more football to talk about, bowl game to talk about for Auburn, basketball to talk about for Auburn, and a whole lot more. Give us a call. You can be a part of it. 334-321-1390. Don't you dare turn that radio dial. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Friday, December 22nd, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on a Friday afternoon on ESPN 106.7. Joining me in the studio, as he did in hour number one, still with us in hour number two, is Jack Hutton in the studio, good friend of mine and good friend of the program. How do you do, buddy? There you go. Appreciate you being in the studio. Appreciate you all being with us on this free-for-all Friday. If you missed any of hour number one, uh, we talked about some college football news with Florida State who uh, is suing the ACC, and that's because that's easy to do. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about some other realignment news. We also talked about some big Auburn football recruiting news as well. We'll talk some more about that in this hour, uh, but if you missed any of that first hour, you can go and find the podcast after the show on our station website at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk more recruiting. We're going to talk basketball. We'll talk the bowl game. Jack, we got a lot to squeeze in in this next hour. So Bring it. we got to get started. We want you to be a part of it, though, as well on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. And that's where we go to start hour number two. And Terry, you're on the line. How are you? Pretty good, Jacob. Jack, how y'all doing? We're doing good, good Terry. Fantastic. Do you, and I hate to put you guys on the spot, but do y'all have any personal feelings what Ron Williams is going to do in February? Personal feelings Ooh. or professional feelings? <laughs> Well, both. A little bit of both. Mixture of both, I guess you'd say. Well, I guess, so what, I guess Terry's meaning personal feelings as in what do you in your heart of hearts think that he's yeah, going to do? Yeah, I think personally all of us want him to come to Auburn. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that's a, a, personally, what yeah. would you like him to do? That's a safe bet, yeah. Um, I think, to be very, to be very frank, I think it is very difficult to flip a kid from that school from Alabama when he's already committed there. Yeah, but Jack, they just did it. I was just about to say, Terry, I think the fact that you just did it with Antonio Coleman bumps that confidence way up. And that's not the first one you've done that with either. Right. And so right. Auburn's starting to go down to that area, that lower Alabama, right right close to the Gulf down there, and they're starting to pull out some elite kids down there. So, you know, your gut from so long, just seeing these recruitments take place and thinking, oh, no Auburn's way. got a shot here, and then it turns sour in the last minute. I, I am fifty fifty, man. I, I I think I'm really fifty fifty on whether it happens or not. Are you also Jacob fifty fifty? I don't. To put a number on it, I would say uh, I'll go sixty forty in the in the area of that it doesn't happen. Sixty percent say it doesn't. Forty percent it does. And the reason I say it does and forty percent, he's been here a lot, man. He's been here a lot. He's heard the noise. He knows people want him. He knows that Auburn wants him desperately. I mean, the freeze five conversations and the student section chanting at him. I mean, he's been here a ton for official and unofficial visits. And if anybody can do it, it's Hugh Freeze and this staff. It's, it, it is this staff in particular that's already proven in their very short time here, Terry, that they can do it. And I don't, and I don't want it, Terry. Let me, before you jump in there, 
I wanted to mention what you just said about them just doing it. That's what kind of made me go to 50-50. Because I think I was where Jacob was with the, I'm about 60% certain he, he sticks with Alabama. Showing that today, that Auburn can go down and land a kid and flip a kid down in Sarah Land, that's huge. And so, I mean, I, I really think that I'm back to 50-50 on whether this can happen or not. Well, the thing is about the portal, this kid could sign with Alabama and be at Auburn next year. Absolutely. That's very, yeah, very true. But on the flip side of that, Terry, I mean, any of Auburn's signees could be at Alabama next year. Correct. So, sure, it works both ways. I was just wondering, and this, this, this is, you got to do it this way. You got to show improvement on the field. Yep. You got to turn that six wins into seven or eight wins. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to bat that pass away at Alabama so Isaiah Bond can't be popping his mouth off. Yeah. You, you got to quit giving Jalen Milrose seven seconds to throw the ball, which is absolutely asininely stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got you got to get that touchdown against Georgia. You got to do this. You got to prove those things to happen. And and if when you believe they'll happen, they'll happen. And it I all re- work- I really truly believe that. Yeah, and it all works together. I mean, you bring in. Look, you do what you can do with the players that you had, and I think Hugh Freeze and Auburn did that in 2023. You right. now bring in one of the best recruiting classes in school history. You bring in the best wide receiver class in school history, and. The the level of talent on your team has has jumped astronomically, and and even without Ron Williams, the wide receiver class is very impressive. Oh yeah, oh, I mean yeah. It, it's the best already in school history, I think. And so you bring in those players and all of those different plays that you just talked about, Terry. You make a handful of those with these guys. You get that touchdown against Georgia, or that touchdown against Alabama that Rivaldo Fairweather dropped, or you make those plays offensively and defensively when you have better talent, and so. If you start doing that and you start making those plays, then yeah, it's a trickle-down effect. It's a big circle of life here, and Auburn's right in the middle of it right now. And you don't have that guy who might be a step too slow. You may have a guy who's right there on time. Yeah. You know, you mentioned mentioned something about kind of believing in it and believing you can do it. I mean, I know it's cliche, but I had a coach in probably high school that told me, you know, it's belief breeds momentum, momentum breeds results. And so, therefore, belief is is breeding results for you. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not going to come right away. you got to believe you can do it before you actually do it. And I know that that sounds really cliche and cookie-cutter, but I think it's true in this regard. Auburn's got to show that they can do it to then go and be able to do it. And I think that showing that you can go get guys like this, like going to get Antonio Coleman down at Sarah Land, breeds momentum down there, and maybe it gets Ryan Williams thinking, shoot, maybe I do want to go to Auburn. Right. And I had a coach in high school, Jack Jacob, that told me losing is contagious, but so is winning. <laughs> exactly. That's very yes. true. Very true. Uh, basketball, does Auburn play tonight? They do. They play Alabama State tonight. We are working We're working our way to that conversation. We've okay. had all sorts of other stuff. But, yes, yeah. they do play tonight. Uh, 7.30 tip, so they'll be on at 7 o'clock over on Wings 94.3. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a Merry Christmas. Thanks, you Thanks, too, Terry. Terry. Merry Christmas to you as well. 334-321-1390. Great way to start this second hour. We'll talk about, again, Antonio Coleman, the 2025 defensive lineman from Sarah Land. He's been committed to Alabama for months and months and months now. And some nice news on a Friday afternoon. He flipped his commitment from Alabama to Auburn. He is now the eighth 2025 commit in the 2025 class. And that takes Auburn's ranking all the way up to number three. Yeah, Jeremy Garrett pulls the pancake out again, man. He flips Antonio Coleman from Alabama. I mean, he's a top 100 guy who um, he's going to be 
He's he's not – I don't think he's going to be that one technique guy that knows tackle in the center, but I think you're going to see him more so in that Marcus Davis role that you saw this year. He's an inside guy, but I think he's going to be uh, more of a pass rusher for the Tigers, and so I'd look out for him uh, to be a big name in this class moving forward. You know, you mentioned something earlier today, Jacob, that I think is telling. It's it's the fact that if you if you put a percentage on all these guys sticking with Auburn throughout their entire commitment – all eight of these guys that they've got commitment. You know, to be very frank, it probably is fairly low that yeah. all eight of these these guys actually do sign with Auburn. Now, that's not to say that it's not going to happen. I think that there's a real distinct possibility that that could happen. You get all these guys. But it just the, – what I go back to is that momentum, that momentum breeds results. And when you have belief in the fact that you can go get this momentum, just like Auburn believed – they could go down to Sarah Land and flip this kid. They did. That gives you momentum. And no matter what happens with the rest of the class, you've got that momentum to continue and putting it on the field. Well, I think what should give Auburn fans some confidence in the guys that are already committed for 2025 is something that I've talked about with this 2024 class that just signed was everybody that committed to Auburn stayed with Auburn. And everybody that Auburn wanted that was already like, hey, I'm coming. point except maybe one or two. Like I'm talking the longer-term guys, not a K.J. Bolden where you got uh, you supposedly got a, a verbal saying a couple of nights before. I'm talking the guys that had already been committed, had made their decision weeks or months in advance. Auburn sealed the deal and signed them on Wednesday. And, and you're also not talking about guys who Auburn seemed to have part ways with mutually. I mean, Correct. You look at a Martavius Collins who ended up at – UTEP. You've got Jaden uh, Jaden Lewis, I think, out of Aniston, and a corner who Auburn parted ways with a while back, and is still looking for a home. But you know, those are good, those are four or high three star guys, but they're not guys that said that told Auburn no. Right. I mean, we've heard from a lot of different sources that Auburn went out and said, "Hey, we're going to go in another direction. We recommend you do the same." Yeah, the guys that Auburn were banking on in 2024, they got and. That is a very rare thing to have. Look at all these flips. I mean, Auburn's the reason there's a lot of other programs that can't say that right now, Jack. Auburn flipped guys from Georgia, Alabama, Florida. I mean, some of the biggest programs in the country, Texas A&M. I mean, you're flipping guys from the biggest programs who cannot make that same statement I just said about Auburn. So when you look at these eight commits in 2025, yeah, is there a good chance that one of them probably doesn't sign? Sure, the odds would say you're you're probably right about that. But this staff has proven early on they're pretty good at keeping guys committed and getting that signature on that dotted line. When is the last time, and wonder with this in recruiting, and I don't know if we have any way to, to find this out, but I wonder when the last time is when Auburn got commitments in the end from flipping commitments from Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Florida in the same class. Yeah, I mean, they I don't flip know guys from those programs with that combination. I don't know, but I mean, you could probably find a stat somewhere that says when's the last time Auburn flipped four. You know, and you'd have to look at it from a ranking. You know, yeah, four, four high level SEC right, programs. four star, five star guys from four SEC. Yeah, high level programs. I mean, I don't know. There, there's probably a lot of different numbers and stats that you could go find that you could put together that we don't have in front of us, but. Your point is it doesn't happen very often and has not happened very often for Auburn. And what the hope is moving forward is, you know, think about what Nick Saban and Alabama have done over these last 15 years. Like 
they'll get a flip here and there, right? They'll get a, an occasional flip. They've gotten their fair share of flips from Auburn. We know that. But most of the time, 95% of their recruiting classes were guys that committed to Alabama and signed with Alabama. Yep. And I think that's what Auburn needs to be and wants to be. That should be the goal for all of these programs. It's harder nowadays than ever before with NIL, but that's the goal, Jack, that's a great point. Yeah. is to get these guys to commit to your program and stay committed rather than having to go out and flip somebody from another program because that's really hard to do. Yeah, because most of the time, I mean, you look at what Auburn has had to do on signing day the past few years, and it is all about you try, you're looking out for these big flips and you're trying to get these last few guys in your class. And the thing is – the Alabamas, the Georgias of the world, I mean, you you don't see very often. You, you're going to see one or two on signing day every year, but most of their class is in by then. Auburn did a great job with that this year. That's going to be interesting to see if they can keep that up in, in the coming years because I think that is how you sustain some success there is you get guys bought in and you get them locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild, man. And again, talking about, The news from today that Auburn flips Antonio Coleman, the top 100 consensus player, a defensive lineman, number eight ranked defensive lineman in the class of 2025. That's right. We've been talking a lot about 24. This is a kid in 2025. And um, that says a lot. That's the eighth commitment Auburn up to number three in the recruiting rankings for early on in 2025. Still a lot to talk about from the 2024 class as well, Jack, because that's not done. Auburn's still working in that recruiting class as well. And I think all the momentum, or excuse me, all the attention is on Ryan Williams down at Sarah Land. And that's what we're talking about with Terry. I think that's what makes this Antonio Coleman pickup so interesting. Do do you think there's any effect there? Well, what I was saying earlier about proof of concept believing that you can do it I mean again I know it's cookie cutter to say that but there is now you've now set the precedent that hey Auburn can come and do this this is not something that is just a pipe dream that Auburn's trying for the first time Auburn's proven they can go to this particular school in this particular region and get a highly ranked guy to flip his commitment from Alabama from Mm -hmm. the in-state powerhouse so I know I'm obviously it's different, but you step back and you say, now what's different about it? Maybe an NIL, maybe that's what the difference is in all this, but who cares? What's different about what you just did? Right. Yeah. And that's what I was saying in the first hour, too, was I think, I think there was a portion of the fan base, and, and understandably so, that just kind of were like, well, we, oh, there's a high level guy in the state of Alabama. Guess we're not going to get him, yeah. right? Only way Auburn gets him is if Alabama doesn't want him. And that was a true thing for a while, Jack. And you talk about a guy that came in and believed they could do it and believed they could win every recruiting battle. That's Hugh Freeze and this entire staff. They believed they could do it, and so far, they were right. Well, and the other thing I think that a lot of people forget about, I mean, you're telling me, you're going to go back and tell me that Alabama always wins out on guys that they want. I'm just not so sure that that's the case. You look at some of the in-state receivers Auburn picked up, Malcolm Simmons, Bryce Kane. You don't think Alabama at least did their homework on those guys oh, yeah. and went, we'd like to have those guys. Those guys are studs, man. Those they guys would, are verified yeah. blue-chip recruits. They would use them somehow. Absolutely. That were in the state of Alabama. I mean, and at some point, you know, you don't exactly know what happened with it, but 
they had to tell Alabama no and Auburn yes at some point. Yep. Now, it may not have been that Alabama was pushing as hard for guys like that, and that's an argument that you can bring up. But at some point in there, I think we got to get over this idea that Alabama just does get whoever they want. It may look like that sometimes on signing day. I think some of these guys, Auburn gets on pretty early, and they're just interested in Auburn. I think that's the the, the scenario now. I'm saying the last 15 years, sure. Jack. I, I think I believe that. I mean, if that look, if Nick Saban and Alabama in the pre-NIL era, if they wanted somebody in this state, they got them. That's just unless it was just an Auburn legacy. And even at that point, they were still getting guys because Auburn was so disconnected in the recruiting world. I think all of that has changed in what, a 12-month period? I don't think necessarily as a as a staple. I would go with it as a general rule. But, I mean, I look back at guys like Carrion Johnson, who committed here in 2015, Madison, Alabama. That's up there, again, in Alabama country where you've got northern Alabama, Huntsville, a lot of, um, a lot of influence up there that mm-hmm. you're looking at. It. So, I mean, you've gotten guys like that before in this state that were big-time recruits. Carrion Johnson was a five-star guy. So I don't think that it's necessarily happened every single time, but I do agree with you in the fact that as a general rule, it's been Alabama can just about get whoever they want. But that narrative, I think, is changing, and it's changing fast with how 2024 has gone, how we hope 2024 the class is going to end for Auburn, and already what this team is doing, this program is doing in recruiting in 2025. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. We're going to talk a little Auburn basketball when they come back as the Tigers play tonight. we got to talk about it before we uh, get out of here for uh, the rest of 2023. We'll talk about some SEC play as well. That's all coming up here on the Friday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here on the Friday edition of On the Line. The second hour on Fridays, want to remind you, is brought to you by our friends at Sensagreen Heating and Air. For air that's cool and clean, you better call, call Sensagreen. And baby. tell them that Uncle T-Bone sent you, even though he's not here today. Hey, and, Uncle uh, Ribeye sent you today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Check them out at www.sensagreen.com. For, and we're, seriously, if you have any heating or air needs, um, Sensagreen, they're great people over there. We've loved them being a part of this show on Friday afternoons in the second hour. Uh, they are just great people. They do fantastic work. And so be sure uh, you give them a call or check them out at sensegreen.com. Jack, let's talk a little basketball. We got a few minutes here in this segment before we get to the bottom of the hour. We'll talk uh, some more football and stuff as we get out of here. But Auburn basketball playing tonight, kind of a weird night, right? It's a weird time with Christmas being on Monday, people traveling and stuff like that. Um, I don't know what the crowd situation will look like tonight. Auburn taking on Alabama State. Uh, I misspoke earlier, by the way. Tip-off is set for 7 o'clock, not 7.30. So if you want to listen to the game locally, if you are out and about traveling, whether you're on the go, uh, whether you are uh, here locally in Auburn, Opelika, or Heck, even if you're a few states away, you can check it out on the local flagship station, Wings 94.3, our classic rock station here at Auburn Network. That is Wings 94.3 FM or WingsFM.com. Pre-game will be 6.30 with tip-off at 7 over on the home of Auburn basketball, Wings 94.3. Any thoughts on this game? I mean, Alabama State's not anything crazy. They're 4-6. and six. Um, They've lost to some pretty big names. Uh, their Their best win is... 
North Carolina A&T. So, yeah. I, I mean, Auburn, look, Auburn's rolling. I mean, this is an Alabama State team that lost to LSU by almost 20 points, and that's a bad LSU team. Yeah, so, and I think the, the more interesting thing, if you look at this, I mean, go back and look at their first game of the season. They go to Ole Miss. They go to Oxford. Ole Miss beats them by only 10 points. Yeah. And I remember kind of looking Five over this Five point game Ole Miss at the half team. in that game, yeah. by the way. And I remember kind of looking at this Ole Miss team and thinking, like, oh, man, you know, the undefeated record, let's kind of look at them. And then I went through their schedule. It's horrible. And, and I know we're talking about Auburn basketball, but if you look at what Ole Miss has done this year, I mean, you start out with Alabama State, who we'll get back on them, not a good basketball team that Auburn's playing tonight. I, I don't expect Auburn to have any trouble with this one. You only get a 10-point win there. You beat Eastern Washington by 11 at home. A really bad Detroit Mercy team this year. You have to scratch and claw to get by them by one point, 70-69. to 69. You barely beat Sam Houston. You barely beat Temple. You do get a big win over NC State, who's not too bad. But then uh, you barely beat Memphis, barely beat Mount St. Mary's. You barely beat UCF. I mean, these are all games that – And you if, say barely. These are like two or three possession games. Yeah, not yeah. It's, it's not games. a – I mean, this. these are not, you know, 15-point games that I'm saying barely. I mean, these are within single-digit games that you're having to kind of fight and scratch and claw your way out of it. So – that first game that Alabama State played is is against an Ole Miss team. I think a lot of people will say, oh, that's a really good team. I'm not so sure. I, I'm not so sure about that quite yet. Um, this Auburn team just beat USC in Neville Arena by 16. Uh, USC went up to Alabama State right after they played at Neville and beat them by 20. So not too concerned about this one. I think for Auburn, it'll be a night to work on a couple of things, really work on um, keeping your guards in the game for as long as you can. I think there's been some foul trouble with with guards and then with those with those three guys. Um, you know, I think Chad Baker-Mazzara is a guy that you want to see get going again tonight. Maybe you see him drop a few points. And then I want to see Jani Broom um, come back and, and dominate a game as well. It's been a couple of straight games now where you've seen him you know, he play good against USC, didn't play necessarily very well. Um, I, I don't think he played. I don't think he played great by any stretch. And so, I want to see some of these guys start to pick things up again because we're barreling towards conference play. And if you're not ready by then, you're welcoming an Arkansas team, right? Or you, I think you're. Are you going to Arkansas? Or you go to Arkansas yeah, right. to open up SEC you're play on Saturday, January sixth. Yeah, you so, go to I mean, You are met. You get hit in the mouth right out of the gate in SEC play. So you got to be ready for this. I don't see Auburn struggling tonight. I mean, I think this is. Um, I, I think this is a name your score game for the Tigers, but you want to have some get right in there. You want to see some guys start to emerge again that maybe haven't had great games in the last few contests. Yeah, and you talk about Janai Broom. I mean, he should have no problem tonight. I mean, you look at the roster for Alabama State. They've got a guy who's six ten, a guy who's six eleven, and a guy who's seven one. But none of them play more than eighteen minutes a game. So yeah. um, Janai should should just have a field day tonight. Auburn's depth is something that we've talked about a lot already uh, this season, and that will be a huge thing tonight. I mean, you're going to see 12 guys play tonight for Auburn, and they're going to roll. I mean, Auburn is here. Here's all you need to know: Auburn's favored by 30. Yeah. So instead of talking in in detail about this game that we don't think Auburn should have any problems with, you already mentioned it. You look ahead to what's on the schedule. You have. A game next Saturday night, late Saturday night against Chattanooga inside Neville Arena. Reminder, that game got pushed back because of Auburn's bowl game uh, that's being played earlier that afternoon up in Nashville. So uh, that was 
uh, to make sure everything could get on the air, get broadcasted, all that good stuff with the Auburn Sports Network. And we'll carry all of that next Saturday. We'll have the bowl game for Auburn football over on Wings 94.3 and then the basketball game that night uh, with Auburn taking on Chattanooga. That is an 8 o'clock tip. Then uh, you have Tuesday, the day we actually come back here on the shows on ESPN. Uh, Auburn will be hosting Penn. Um, if you remember, that's a uh, that's a sneaky little Penn team. They, they like to play teams tough every now and then. They sure do. You're right. And even that Chattanooga team, I mean, they're eight and three overall on the year, um, and they don't really have any big time wins necessarily. But um, you know, they do have. Well, I, I say that. They've got to win over Louisville. Louisville's a bad team. Bad. Louisville's not very good. Did you see what Kentucky did to them last oh, night? Oh, yes, I did. Woo! But at the same time, Chattanooga goes on the road and beats a Power 5 team, a really storied history program. So they've got that win under the belt. you got a couple other wins on the year um, over a pretty good Tennessee Tech team out of that conference. Uh, let's see, you go... Um, well, let me tell you about, let me tell you about Penn, okay? Yeah. Penn has a win over Villanova. They also ran with Kentucky. The score does not tell the whole story in that game. They were in within single digits late in that basketball game. That's also a really good Kentucky team, by the way. Yeah. Really, really good. So Auburn fans should be a little worried about that. But Auburn has Alabama State tonight, then Chattanooga, then Penn. If you play your game, if you play up to your level, Auburn should not have any worries. They then, as we mentioned, go on the road to Arkansas to open up SEC play. That's a very streaky Arkansas team, but talented nonetheless, man. Auburn, that's going to have to be ready. I think it's got to be mentioned, though, that we've seen this so far this season. I think this Auburn team's really good, man. I think these Auburn teams got a chance to do something really special in the SEC this year. They got to get some of these guys going again. Yeah. I think this is a good night to do it tonight. Yeah, I think so. Tonight's a good night. The next few games are good games to do that as well. When we come back, we'll keep talking football, some recruiting. We'll talk the Auburn Bowl game against Maryland. Also talk the college football playoff. We're down to our last 30 minutes of the year. That's depressing. Nah, bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Free for all Friday continues when we come back. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on this free-for-all Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Thank you so much for being with us on this Friday afternoon on ESPN 106.7. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. Joining me on this Friday afternoon, Jack Cutton. Jump at Jack Cutton, that is, with What's us up, babe? in the studio. Uncle T-Bone will be back with us to start the new year. A uh, reminder that this is... Our final show of 2023, Uh, we will be off all of next week. My show on the line and the drive with Bill and Dan, uh, they will be off all of next week as well. Uh, The Max Roundtable will be off Monday, Tuesday. They'll be back Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Doug will be here doing some shows, uh, but we'll have uh, our regular ESPN uh, national programming. Hey, and by the way, also wanted to mention uh, after the game with Kyle Rush and myself not going to be yes, happening yeah. uh, this coming, well, I guess next Saturday against Chattanooga. That game will be, I believe, on the 28th. Uh, the 30th. Um, the 30th. Oh, okay. yeah. Golly, Same day as the bowl game on Saturday. Yeah, with that game, yeah, so we decided that's a good call, Jack. Um, with with the game being pushed back to an 8 o'clock tip, it's right there around New Year's. I mean, it's the holidays mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, it's just 
it, it made more sense to not have you guys come in and do a show at 11 o'clock at night on a yeah. Saturday. I mean, not that people no, would be we, listening. We, but we're, we're very appreciative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's a good call. No after the game on Saturday the 30th. Your guys' next show will be uh, January 6th after Correct. the Arkansas That'll game. That'll be after uh, Auburn goes up and gets a huge win to start SEC conference play in Arkansas. Man, I'm so to, – speaking of that, I'm so salty because – you know that my dad, and I've talked about it on this show, my dad and I and a group of our friends, we take a guy's trip every year, right? And we've been doing this. This will be year six now, where we go and we take a trip to an opposing SEC basketball team. We take oh, yeah. a road trip in the SEC basketball. We've made, uh, we've been to, I mean, I've been to Tuscaloosa a handful of times, but we've been to Mississippi State. We've been to, uh, we've been to Rupp in Lexington. We've gone to Knoxville. We went there. Uh, we went to Vanderbilt last year and watched Auburn lose in Vanderbilt. Like, our record's terrible. I don't think we've seen a road win yet. But <laughs> we had talked about for months we were going to go to Fayetteville. We were going to go to Arkansas for that game. And then everybody backed out. And we're, I think we're going to Ole Miss now, which will still be fun. But I was really looking forward to the Arkansas Heck yeah, track. you're looking forward to Bud Walton. That's it. I mean, I know that that's supposed to be a crazy atmosphere. I mean, 20,000 people, yeah. man. That's crazy. What it, this, is, this came up the other day. What do you think would need to happen at Auburn to do like a, I guess, a retro night game or something like that? What do you mean? Go, well, do you think the infrastructure would still be in place to go play a game at Beardies? Ah, the infrastructure may be there. The uh, CDC may not let us go in there. I mean, because of what, how long that place is locked up yeah. and, and all the stuff that's growing in the ceiling in there. But um, that would be really cool. Yeah, I've, I've just wondered if there's a way that you could get, um, you know, I mean, it would allow you to sell more tickets, obviously, and to get more fans in the building. But to really go back and see, okay, here's what, here's what Beard Eves could have been like if Auburn had gotten their act together earlier in basketball. And at that point, it's not even about the money. That's just like a, hey, for old school Auburn fans to come together with the new generation of Auburn fans. Because look, we can be honest with ourselves. There's a large group of people that have started following Auburn basketball very closely when Bruce Pearl came here. And that's okay, because Auburn basketball, it was down for a while, right? Absolutely. And so... I think that would be really, really cool to bring every, again, if you could get in there safely, um, get in there, charge, I don't know, 30 bucks a pop or something, even $20 a pop. Just come in the door, first come, first serve, right? No, no. Yeah, you do numbers. general admission. And yeah, you just, just general you admission. Go sit where you want. And just pack that place out for one night because that arena is really, really cool. You and I go in there here and there. We got a group, you know, we secretly go in there and, and play a little basketball and stuff and that place is still really cool secretly man. huh <laughs> not anymore <laughs> not anymore uh but hey they don't know who it is and they don't know what day so <laughs> good luck um but no i mean i think that would be really cool and i i don't think they'll ever do it but um it would be really really neat but that also gets to the conversation too of well will neville arena ever grow will they ever add on to neville arena I honestly hope they don't. I, see, and that's that's been something that a lot of people have said before. I, I guess with me, what makes Neville Arena so great is the fact that it's very intimate. It's very small. I mean, and it's very on top of you, compact. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at you. You got to look at like Neville Arena is still a whole lot bigger than Cameron Indoor with Duke, and that's one of the hardest places to play in all of college basketball. So, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it just. You know, you'll get all these opposing fan bases say, oh, it's a Mickey Mouse arena and all that stuff. And to me, it's like, who cares if you win in it? 
What's the, what's the point of what's the problem with it being small? Right, when we teams win have, in it and it's intimidating. And exactly, we beat you in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when teams have horrible records when they go to Neville and they're scared to play Auburn on the road, it does its job. Yeah. And I think that's everybody's right on top of you. There's not a bad seat in the house. The students are right there, which I love. And you know, I was talking about our different basketball trips. I've been to Rupp Arena, huge. Mm-hmm. I've been to Thompson Bowling, huge. Right, I, I've been to heck. Even Mississippi State at the hump, that's a big arena. Yeah. It's not, it's very old, and I'll keep it at that, but it's very big. And it's not as impactful as Neville Arena because it's so spread out. Even heck, where I grew up in Dayton, Ohio at UD Arena, where the Flyers play, like that's a big arena up there, and yeah. it goes way up at an angle. Like, and I watched Auburn play there back when I was in high school, and I've seen some NCAA tournament games and whatever. Like, that's a big arena, and it just doesn't have the same impact on the game. Sure, there's more fans, but it doesn't have the same impact. Yeah, and I would obviously, I mean, with the more space, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get more sound in there to actually take up all that space. So yeah, I mean, it's I liken it to if you're running. I mean, if you're running a car inside or something, it's in some sort of inside place. It's going to sound a whole lot louder. That engine is going to sound a whole lot louder if that sound doesn't have anywhere to go. Right. And the ceiling in Neville Arena is very low, too, yeah. which has a huge part of and it. So that's, that's architecture the, right and there. So that's the point of that is, I mean, let's make a really intimidating environment where, sure, we can only get nine, ten thousand 10,000 fans in here, but, I mean, what's Cameron Indoor at Duke? Like 6,000? You know, so, I mean, it's I don't remember what insane. it is now, yeah. And I can't remember what it is either, but that is a strategy that a lot of different college basketball programs use, and – to me, if you win there, it's not an it's not a big deal. It, it's not even a deal at all. I mean, sure, it's a tough ticket, but that's what you want. Apparently, it's up to ninety three hundred now. Cameron Which would be just over Neville Arena, I think. Yeah, what is what is Neville? Neville's just over. It's like ninety one, ninety one twenty one. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Neville, yeah, ninety one twenty one. Yeah, good call, yeah. Jack. Oh yeah, well you know numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well. That was a good conversation. Didn't expect to have it, but yeah, I like that. there you that. go. How about let's, that? Let's, uh, let's flip gears a little bit because um, Auburn, we talked a little bit about this in the first hour, but Auburn is playing a bowl game while we're gone. They do play that bowl game against Maryland on the 30th. Music City Bowl. Tickets have been sold out. They added more. Those sold out. I mean, the it's going to be a crazy. means the most out of any game they've ever played, doesn't it? <laughs> the Music City Bowl, baby. Oh, it's like better. That. Hey, it's better than the Birmingham Bowl. I agree. Oh, I certainly agree. I just, I, I still don't get the narrative. We talked about this. I don't get the narrative of this is an incredibly important game for Auburn to win, and they have to go in there and they have to win this one because all the momentum that they've made is going to go out the door if they lose it. I, I, I. Frankly, I think that's a load of crap. I, I I don't think that that's correct. I don't think that that is going to single-handedly wipe out all the momentum that this program has created. You, everybody's well aware to this point that Auburn just signed a top ten class, just signed the number seven class in the nation. I mean, I think you got so much momentum on this program side right now. It's going to show up in Jordan Hare next year. Going to show up in the SEC. The schedule is very conducive to what you want to do next year. Absolutely. To be very frank with you, I think this is a team where if you get a couple of, of balls to um, to bounce your way next year, I think Auburn's staring at a possibility of going to the playoff next year with that 12-team you know, format coming into play. Isn't that a crazy thought? Yeah. I yeah, mean, it really and it's, is. And it's, look, it's not to get people's hopes up and to be those guys, but there is a slight possibility. And there are so many things that play into that. And 
with the guys coming in, the recruits you have, the few additions you've made through the transfer portal, and the easy schedule, man. I can't express enough how easy that schedule is compared to what it's been in the past. Yeah, relatively. It's it's not an easy schedule, but relatively, it it is easier than what Auburn has had in the past. Right. Your road games are manageable, except for your Georgia and Alabama. Outside of that, every other game is is a game that you think you can win. Yeah, and so with this bowl game against Maryland, I mean, Talia Tagovailoa, their four-year starter, Big Ten passing leader. I did not know that before they said that when he opted out. He's not playing. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot more. I think they have a couple of more opt-outs here and there. Nothing too crazy. Um, Everybody loses guys to the transfer portal. I mean, Auburn's lost a handful of guys. Nothing super impactful, but should be a good game. Should be fun. And I think Auburn has a good chance here. I do too. Well, you're going to see Maryland hangs their hat on their defense. um, Sorry, on their secondary and their defense. And I think that that benefits Auburn because Auburn likes to run the football. Auburn, Auburn wants to ground and pound. So I think that what helps Auburn in this matchup is the fact that, you know, Maryland's got some dudes in the secondary, but that defensive line is questionable, man. I mean, that's where that's where you had Mosiah and Nasili Kite come from this year from Maryland, and he was kind of that anchor on that defensive line. And so they're really limited. I think this Auburn offensive line has gelled throughout the year. I could see Jarquez Hunter and those backs, Demari Alston. I could see those guys having a big day. Peyton Thorne's even, you know, the last few games that Auburn's played, he's really been a guy that has kind of shouldered the brunt uh, if you want to say of the run of the running game, so. well, that's what I was going to say. I'm glad he's playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this is a game that Auburn absolutely should win, um, and I think they're going to go up and I think they're going to run it down Maryland's throat. Is it weird that I'm getting vibes of the Purdue bowl game from a few years ago, where oh. Auburn just went in and just absolutely hammered them from the opening drive and never looked back? Then they drop a sixty piece on them, and and I'm getting that vibe here. I don't know why. Maybe it's all the recruiting momentum and all the excitement from that, but. If Auburn goes and plays physical SEC run-it-down-your-throat football, there's no reason Auburn can't win this by a couple scores. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's where you got to look for it is the physicality of the game is going to be in Auburn's favor. Um, I think the speed of the game is also going to be in Auburn's favor. I mean, Maryland is not going to have the same passing attack. I think they're, they're backup quarterbacks this year. I think He threw it like five times. Yeah, I mean, backup quarterbacks for Maryland, I, I think there were f- – something it was a number i saw the other day like 14 passes or something were not thrown by tonga Valoa this year for Maryland. so experience exactly so i mean <laughs> you don't really have this guy who's coming in that you know he is the backup but he's he's real experienced and he's gone through this before like no this is going to be a guy who is probably starting his first game ever and so i don't necessarily think that this is something that auburn um is in danger with now Am I going to come out and say, "Oh, they're going to they're going to obviously win this game"? No, but I think this is a game where if Auburn just does what they do, I don't think that this is going to be that difficult of a contest. Right, and you're going to have as close of a home crowd as you can get in a bowl Absolutely. game. I mean, Auburn fans are flocking to Nashville after Christmas. We know there's a huge group of fans in Auburn, of Auburn fans in Nashville. Um, so should be a lot of fun for those that are going. I will not be going. Um, I'll be in Ohio actually for during that time visiting family. So. I will not be going to that, but I will be watching, and of course, we'll talk about it when we come back I want to see on some, January 2nd. I want to see some weird stuff in that game. I want to see Luke Deal throw a touchdown pass. Just something <laughs> love it. stupid. I love it. <laughs> hey, you never know. I mean, it's the bowl game. What yeah. do you have to lose, right? Exactly. I love it. Well, Auburn will be taking on Maryland on the 30th. That's on Saturday, uh, next Saturday in the bowl game, the Music City Bowl, and uh, we both have them winning, and, and look, it's 
Does losing it mean a whole lot? No. You would be losing three games in a row to end your year. Not great, but I don't think it matters. It's, it's a, It would be a sour taste in your mouth, but you're turning the book right then, and you're going, okay, on to next year. Exactly. And now, there's so much excitement for next year. Right. The, the loss doesn't do a whole lot. The win propels you slightly i think i mean that's the best way i can look at it you like to win it's another game you want to represent the sec you want to represent the au on your helmet but um i don't think there's any stress here i think win or lose auburn's fine and it it is as far as i know i don't think i've ever seen a big time commit decide he wanted to go to a school because they want a a mediocre bowl game yeah no (laughs) um, let's just be well you know cam newton obviously came to auburn because auburn was playing, was playing Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how that went down. 334-321-1390. We'll go ahead and take our final break. We'll come back and make our college football playoff predictions. We haven't talked about that yet. And our final segment, we'll update you on the schedule for next week as well, as this is our final show until the turn of the new year. Stay with us. We'll wrap up the Friday edition of On the Line after this. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Friday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. He is Jumpin' Jack Hutton joining us in the studio all show long. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much for uh, joining us here in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio. Hey, man, I'm enjoying it. I'm uh, glad to get to fill in for Uncle T-Bone today. Uh, Uncle and I had a really good time on uh, game day on wings this year and so still got to after the game going on with Kyle Rush and I um, after weekend Auburn basketball games no after the game of course uh, this weekend obviously Auburn doesn't have a Saturday game or uh, no after the game next weekend of course you got the Chattanooga game going on um, just in kind of a tough situation to to get everything organized for them but we'll be back and we'll be pretty consistent after that uh, starting with the Arkansas game, I believe, on January 5th. 6th. That one. Golly, I can't get a date right, man. <laughs> You're um, all over the place. But we'll we'll be back and starting that back up on January 6th. And so uh, give us a call. We'll, that'll be on Wings 94.3. Love to hear from you after the game. Uh, following this Auburn basketball team that I think has got a chance to be really good. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun with uh, SEC play getting going at the start of the new year. Again, we I've been telling you about it quite a few times, but just in case you're just now tuning in or been in and out of the car, whatever the case may be, this is our final show of 2023. Not final show forever. Don't 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 wreck your car now. Just final show of 2023. All right. Uh, we are here at ESPN 106.7 locally. My show and the drive with Bill and Dan. This is our final day uh, of the year. We will be off all of next week. And then uh, we will be off on January 1st on New Year's Day. We will all be back here on Tuesday, January 2nd. Uncle T-Bone will be back in the studio. I'll be here uh, for our show. And then uh, Bill and Dan will be back for the drive. The Max Roundtable, they are off Monday, Tuesday. They'll be back on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Believe they'll be off New Year's Day, I would assume. Uh, And then they'll be back on that Tuesday. So this is our final show of the year. And, Jack, we got a couple of minutes here quickly. Um... College football playoff, your quick predictions for the semifinals. Those will be played the day before we come back, uh, and then we'll be able to talk about those on January 2nd. Uh, You've got some pretty good matchups here. Yeah, and I just – man, I got a sneaky feeling about this Washington team. Mm -hmm. And and I know that that's not really a popular pick. I know that Michaela was on them Yeah, former intern Michaela. Uh, But I I got a sneaky feeling about Michael Penix and this Washington team. I I think that there's an avenue, if you get past Texas – 
I think Washington outlasts either Michigan or Alabama in that national championship. You think game. so? Are you picking Washington to win it oh, all? Oh, man. Well, don't, you don't, don't have to pick that yet. Are you picking them to make the national championship? Th- see, that's what I think. I think if they make it, I think they're going to win it. But I, I, I don't know Ooh. how they get past Texas. If I, if you're gun to my head right now, I think I'm going Texas in that game. And I think it's Texas. And I think uh, I'm going to go Michigan. I'm going to go Michigan-Texas for the Natty. You don't have to make a pick. Oh, man. We'll have time. You'll, okay, be, in, you'll okay. be in the studio. Michigan-Texas in the Natty. I'm going to follow in suit with you. I think Michigan, while their, their numbers don't stack up very well with, with Alabama, especially in the competition rankings, I just think Michigan's a better football team. I think that defense is going to get after Milrow. He's not going to be able to make some of those crazy plays. I don't think Alabama can run the ball on them. They, I, they've been a decent running team, but I don't think they get to do it on Michigan. And on the flip side, I think Michigan's going to run the ball well, all over that that's Alabama what defense. I think is, that's what I think is lending me towards Michigan here is the fact that Alabama's run defense has not been very good. And Michigan has been very good at running the ball. So Now, if Alabama's smart, they're going to stack the box and make McCarthy beat them over the top, and that's going to be tough to do against that secondary. Sure, sure thing it is, but, I mean, I don't – you know, Alabama tried to stack the box against Auburn, and Auburn ran up and down on Alabama in that mm-hmm. game. So, I think Michigan runs the ball. I think they control the line of scrimmage, um, and I think Michigan gets out of there. On the other hand, I think if, if, if Washington gets past Texas – Give me Washington in the national championship game. I think Washington can score with anybody, and I think they'll just—I think they'll get in a shootout with whoever they play. Texas can beat them at that game, which is why I'm picking Texas. I don't think Michigan or Alabama can beat Washington in a shootout-style matchup. See, I like Texas over Washington. I think Texas is going to win that game. I just think they're—I think they're more physical. I think they're just a better team overall than Washington. It's going to be a great quarterback battle between um, Penix and, and, and Quinn Ewers. So excited for that. I'm picking Texas in that game. I'm taking Michigan over Alabama. Um, but I think the popular pick is Alabama-Texas in the national championship game. And yeah, I was talking, rematch. Yeah, I was talking with Chris Gordy uh, yesterday, and he said that's his pick, and that's what uh, that's what the moneymakers want because that's what's going to make the most money. But give me Texas, give me Michigan, and I'll give you my pick when we come back uh, next year. Excited for that. Either way, should be a lot of fun. Got just a minute or so. Uh, again, Hour 2 on Fridays has been brought to you by our friends at Sensagreen Heating and Air for air that's cool and clean. You better call Sensagreen. Jack, Thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, hey, man Merry Christmas it. to you and Happy New Year, man. Man, ha- Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Glad to uh, to get off at, right here at the end of the year and uh, looking forward to coming back in in the new year. Well, thank you so much to everybody listening in 2023. We'll be back in 2024. Merry Christmas to you and your families. Uh, this listenership and this, uh, this family has become really, really special here on ESPN. So I thank you for that. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Have a safe and happy new year. We'll be back on Tuesday, January 2nd, right here, 2 to 4 on ESPN 106.7. He is Jack Cudden. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And I'll talk to you later.